All right. Hey, it is uh, 10.30, and I figure if we're going to do a talk on perfectionism, we should start right on time. Um, if, hey, does anybody not have a handout? Um, if you don't have a handout, raise your hand. Tim is going to bring them around. Uh, Tim Price, intern at New York City campus. Um, he will grab you one. Don't be bashful. Go ahead and snag one. Um, let me... So, I'm going to introduce myself, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll should I pray? I'll pray first, and then I'll introduce myself, how about that? Uh, let, me, let me pray for our time uh, right now, as Tim is handing these out. Lord Jesus, we thank you um, that you call us your friend. We thank you that despite the flaws and failures which we so desperately try to cover and hide, um, that you know them, you know us intimately, and you still love us, um, and you like us. And, uh, and so, Lord, I pray for, for all of us as we just engage with the topic of perfectionism. Um, Lord, I pray for freedom. Um, I pray uh, just that this would uh, be beneficial for all of us, Lord, that we would um, be blessed by it, that we would start conversations um, about what does it mean to live in light of our identity uh, with Jesus. So, Lord, pray uh, now that you'd be with us during this time uh, in your name. Amen. Uh, good to see you all. Thanks for thanks for coming. Um, my name is Eric Lipscomb. I am the campus minister at uh, Columbia University, which is in New York. Uh, but just to show you that I can fit in, I wore my master's shirt. You know, we're in the South, and so uh, I'm one of you. So take me as your own. Um, I grew up in Virginia. Uh, I grew up in Richmond, which is the capital. I went to an all-boys private school. Um, I then went to the University of Virginia for my undergraduate. Uh, I was there for four years. I married my wife, named Brittany. She's also uh, from Richmond and went to UVA. Uh, and and so I'm just I'll, I'll say some of all this like in terms of my background with perfectionism. Uh, this is, I mean I think we all have maybe various struggles with this to, to varying degrees. Uh, my wife would uh, describe herself as a perfectionist, and so I'm going to use her in examples. All these are things she's given me like permission to use, just so you know. I'm not throwing her under the bus like. Uh, she, she actually, during college, was the first time that sort of these tendencies that had been so, uh, she just thought was so intimately a part of herself, she started to realize, like, maybe this isn't healthy or normal. Maybe this is actually inhibiting me in, in various ways. So I'm going to use examples from our lives together and her life. Know that I'm not throwing her under the bus. This is all with her permission. Um, uh, I went from there. I went to Covenant Seminary, and then last year, I, I'm sorry, graduated in 2014 and moved to New York. And so um, in this seminar, uh, I want to do a couple things. I'm not going to just lecture the whole time, and you'll see, you've got a handout. Um, I'm gonna, I want to ask questions, and I want to hear from you guys for a couple of reasons. One, because I think you're not learning if you're not actually dialoguing and engaging. Uh, two, because I don't know all of your campuses, and maybe perfectionism looks different on your campus than it did at UVA or than it does at Columbia. So um, when you share, just will you just preface what you say with your campus, or if you share, um, just, just so we kind of have a context for where you're going. Um, I've also included my phone number on the top. And I'll, I'll try to leave 10 or 15 minutes at the end for questions. Feel free to just shoot up your hand then. Uh, really shoot up your hand at any point during the talk. Um, if there's something like more sensitive either you want to talk about after or you want me to address maybe to the whole crowd, you think it's a question that everyone would benefit from, uh, just feel free to drop drop me a text and I'll um, I'll try to answer that in that last little window. Uh and so, yeah, so why, okay, just real quick, why would we teach on perfectionism? Um, I think, you know, getting back to my wife, she got into college, and um, she is 
the most driven person maybe you've ever met. Her mother went to an Ivy League school. Her father uh, is an engineer who went to UVA and Stanford. And just kind of like, it's just sort of ingrained to her to like work hard and grind it out. And she, she gets to college and all of a sudden, you know, like, well, this is just the way I am. There's just like too much work to do. And, she, and so she just sort of like starts crumbling. And so what, and the reason I mentioned that, some of you know, whether it's with your performance or with your looks, you know the, the weight and the pressure of just living with the need to meet incredibly high uh, expectations, incredibly high standards. And so what we want to do is to begin to separate out your perfectionistic tendencies from yourself and ultimately own the truth and the beauty and the freedom of the gospel. Right? That your identity is not in how much you do or how good you look, but it's actually in the person and work of Jesus and being known and loved by him. So to start today, I want to... Um, I want us to consider uh, this first question on your handout, and I'll ask you to just you know, raise your hand when, if you um, think of it, and I'll write, write some stuff on the board. Uh, what does it mean, or how would you answer the question, what does it mean to be fully human? Um, and I guess like, what I mean by that is what are the characteristics or abilities or faculties you know, that constitute and distinguish a properly functioning human being? So do you guys have any thoughts on what, is it, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be fully human? Limits, okay? Good. What else? Yeah. You make mistakes, okay? Good. Well, yeah. Rational. Rational, okay? Good. Yeah. Work. Work? Excellent. If you guys can't hear me, in the, just you know, give me give me this, and I'll I'll speak up. Any other thoughts? Yeah. To feel. To feel. Okay. Good. Yeah. Curiosity. Curiosity. Okay. Good. Yeah. So sorry. Need. Okay. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. Okay, good. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Community. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can I just write love? But that's great, yeah. Give and give love and be loved. Give and receive. Good. Any other thoughts? How about the fact that we have bodies? That's kind of intrinsic to being human. Uh, um, we have relationships. We said purpose will work. Good. Um, you have agency. You can make, I guess, rational... I guess those are different things, right? Like, you have agency. You can choose to do something. It doesn't have to be rational, but you can choose to do it. Um, you have self-awareness, right? Like something that, I'm just thinking in terms of like what distinguishes us from animals, right? They're not self-aware. Um, uh, we didn't mention, I mean, we didn't mention worship. Um, you know, John Calvin talks about the, the heart as this perpetual idol factory that you will worship something, whether it's God or, or some other thing. Um, and then uh, we also mentioned, yeah, so you mentioned limited. Uh, we are needy, so I'll say like dependent, 
we need to rest. I guess, I don't know if that, you know, that's a big thing. Uh, we're growing, or at least for part of your life you grow, right? That's part of being human. Um, the reason I listed these things as sort of two separate categories was because I think we think, I mean, we think of some of these aspects of being human as like positive and almost negative, right? Like, like it, the fact that we have limits or we are needy or dependent, like, isn't something that we like celebrate. We're like, yes, I am needy. I have limits. This is great. Like the, you know, and yet it is intrinsically part of being fully human. That is not a flaw in your design. That's just part of what it means to not be God, right? And so if we think about this, this is sort of, you know, just a snapshot of what does it mean to be fully human? Um, then I guess the next question I want to ask you is what is the definition of perfect? How would you define perfect? Um, and, and how is, you know, maybe this is where you can sort of shed some light and you know, feel free to give anecdotal evidence. How is perfection um, defined on your campus? Like, and maybe, if, you know, that's a little bit more, because like, think about like, what, who is the like, ideal, you know, the, the perfect guy or the perfect girl at your school? So this is where you can let me know your school and just, you know, feel free to shoot from the hip. You don't have to like have a, anything eloquent, eloquent. But what do you guys think? What is it, what is it, what is it, how would you describe, what does it mean to be perfect? How's, yeah. Okay. What? So for the rest of us, give me, give me Our new football coach. the new football coach. Okay. What about him? Just. I'm sorry. No, yeah, yeah. Didn't mean, mean to put you in the spot. Um, <laughs> I just great leadership. And, okay. You know, bringing together that. Okay. Cool. Great leader. Yes. Magnanimous personality, something like that. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, well, it's Latin, so okay. per means completely. Uh huh. Perfect means to do, so completely do something. Uh huh. Or to be without blemish. Yeah. Good. Without blemish, to do completely. Good. Yeah. Success. success? Perfection means success. Intended. Intended. What do you mean by that? Uh, just like as it's designed to be. Okay, things as working as they should. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Okay, so perfection, you have to have outside affirmation. So you have to, yeah, be a certain, like the right size, have the good GPA, and have somebody else notice it. Good, thank you. Other thoughts? What is, what is perfection? Uh, my, my experience at, at University of Virginia was, uh, and sort of something Rankin sort of mentioned it, uh, I've called it um, effortless omnicompetence. So you have to be good at everything and look like you have done it very easily. Like, you can't appear to study hard, you just have to do well. Um, you should be fit and athletic and attractive, but not, like, you know, don't let people see you sweating at the AFC when you go to the gym. Um, so, you know, just, just for another example. Um, any, any other thoughts? Yes? I would say just kind of making others, like, getting others' appreciation and making them happy and realizing that, like, that any screw-up that happened, it couldn't have been because 
of what you did. Hmm. Kind of. So yeah, so you, like you have to defer blame because yeah. because otherwise that sort of tarnishes your fear of failure. Fear of fear of failure. That's good. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, so I sort of think of it. I sort of like as I I was thinking about. It, I sort of have um, listen. You know, we define perfect kind of in four ways. Um, the first would be having no flaws, which we mentioned earlier, right? And so this is like as I thought of that, I thought of. Um, did you guys ever read the short story The Pearl by John Steinbeck? It's like this massive pearl that this guy finds, and it has this little blemish on it, and he shaves it off. And it actually ends up ruining his life because people end up like chasing him in the night, and his, his child dies um, in this sort of shootout. Uh, but it's like this, this, you know, this pearl, incomparable, you know, flawless thing, or like the a big, you know, the Hope Diamond or something like that. Um, we, you know, having no flaws, it's just, it's, it's. Uh, unmatchable in that regard. So that's one way. Uh, the second would be like the ideal type, you know, the prototype. And 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 as I thought of this, I thought of like you know like there's like Ryan Gosling memes, like you know, hey girl, uh, uh, like. And if you think of just who Ryan Gosling is, like he's just he's wonderful. He, I, I, you know, he's he's a beautiful man. He is funny. He's charming. You know, he's strong but sensitive. Um, this is you know this is the ideal type, and, and at least in my mind, uh, like I want to be Ryan Gosling. You know. True confessions, uh, Eric wants to be like Ryan Gosling. Um, the ideal type, right? Like the one to, that you look to as like, he or she, like, they got it all. Um, having no flaws, the ideal type. Uh, the third one, it, no one really mentioned this, but like, I think we define perfection as uh, having total self-sufficiency. Like, I mean, we, in some ways, like, yeah, we, we, we like community, we like sort of ascribe to it as a good thing, but at the end of the day, we kind of want to like be independent, be autonomous. Um, it's why like a lot of at least guys when I was in college like resonated with like Man vs. Wild, which is the show with this guy Bear Grylls would go out into the woods with a camera crew and like nothing, and they would people would just kind of chase him down. I'm sorry, no, he would he would just like go go around and like uh, forage and and somehow survive, and so. Um, like that resonated with at least a lot of my friends and me because I'm like, yeah, like that sounds awesome. Like I can just I can be fine on my own. I don't need other people, you know. Um, I think self sufficiency. And then the last one, uh, being limitless. Like while it, you know we sort of rationally acknowledge that yes, I have limits as a human. Um, in some ways, we think actually it would be how much better would it be if I didn't if I only had to sleep four hours a night so that I could get all my work done so that I could hang out with all the people. Who I want to hang out. How much better would it be if I could get no hours of sleep a night, right? That's just wasted time. That's you know that's that's inefficient. Uh, I want to be able to say yes to everything, right? I don't want to have any limits, you know. Then so that sort of the example would be like Bradley Cooper in the movie Limitless, right? That he takes this drug which enables him to maximize his human potential, and again, it, it sort of like works out great at the beginning, but then it you know kind of fumbles. And uh, the moral of the story isn't so great, but. You know, you get the point where he's this guy that, like, wants to... His sort of limited life isn't enough, and he has to find something to take in order to, to transcend that. So, having no flaws, the ideal, being the ideal type, having total self-sufficiency, and being limitless. And so that's how we sort of, at least culturally, have defined perfection, I think. And, and, and there's maybe more to it than that, but uh, just sort of sweeping with a broad brush. So the question I want to ask in response to that, <coughs> does this sound more like... Jesus to you, or does it sound like Superman? And I think, as I hear that, it sounds a lot more like 
Superman, right? Because if you think of who Jesus was, right, he was, you know, he had no flaws, um, but he certainly was not the ideal, right? That he was born in a stable in this backwoods, you know, Bethlehem, which was this little nothing town. Very humble beginnings. Um, really had sort of, I mean, died as a criminal of the state. Had nothing. Uh, if you, if some of you may be familiar, there's a um, this prophecy in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 52, 2-3, it's called the Suffering Servant Prophecy uh, that ultimately gets fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And it, uh, it says this, uh, just to, to paraphrase, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. But so Jesus was not this like, you know, ripply muscled, you know, Ryan Gosling. Uh, he was not the ideal type. And he was also dependent on the Father. Right? He was dependent on God, and you see that if you look throughout the Gospels in Jesus' prayer life. Right? And just as an aside, I think one of the biggest reasons I and we don't pray isn't just because we're busy, because it's actually we don't think, either we don't think we're dependent on God, or we just don't want to be. We don't want to remember that we are. Right? And yet Jesus sort of expresses his dependence by constantly being in prayer. And he's also dependent on his friends. If you, if you look right before the crucifixion, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, Jesus tells his disciples, watch and pray with me that we would not, you know, that you would not fall into temptation. And Jesus is going and pouring his heart out before God. And there's a sense that he needs his friends. He's dependent on them to support him in, his, in this hour of greatest need. Um, and then lastly, he has limits, right, that he goes away to rest. He doesn't heal everybody he comes into contact to. Um, and there's this, this little passage uh, in John 16 where Jesus says, uh, you know, it would be better for me to leave so that I can send the Holy Spirit as this omnipresent helper. And if you think about who Jesus was as the sort of, you know, God become as a human, like that's sort of an amazing thing for him to say because he's saying like, it's better for you that God in the person would go away so that you could have the Holy Spirit because God, Jesus recognizes himself as limited as part of his full humanity. So in your, as you think about your own pursuit of excellence. Are you striving to be like Jesus or are you striving to be like Superman? Right? And if, if you're here and you're a Christian, you know, you know, because you've been to RUF, you've been to a church or Sunday school, like you know the answer is supposed to be Jesus. But I think in reality we try to make ourselves look like Superman. That like we have defined perfection uh, not as fully human, but we've defined it as being superhuman. And that has led us to all sorts of problems, right? That you are, some of you are killing yourselves as you stress, uh, as you try to achieve these impossible standards that either somebody's laid on you or you've set for yourself, right? It, it, it's like, you're like a, a, you know, a Lexus, you know, with their tagline is like the pursuit of perfection. You're like, uh, you're like a Lexus that wants to be a spaceship. Like, you're not content with just being a great car. You, like, you can't just be a great car, you've got to be a spaceship. And, and because of that, you were killing yourselves. And, and so what we want to look at just um, for a few minutes right now is, you know, what is, if, if, if we're not meant to be superhuman, we're just meant to be fully human, then what does the Bible have to say about what it means to be fully human? And so I guess you have on your handout uh, just this first part. Does anyone have a Bible with them? Would you, could you flip to the, uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 31? Would you mind reading that? Put you on the spot. And does somebody else, would you pull up Colossians 1, 15 to 18? 
would someone volunteer to read that for me? Yeah, 1, 15 through 18. Genesis 1. Go ahead. Thank you. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit and seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning for six days. Awesome. Thank you so much. And then Colossians 1, 15-18. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, so um, how does the Bible inform? Well, it, it starts right in the beginning, right? It starts with creation. We said... Uh, image of God earlier, and I think that's that's going to be sort of setting the trajectory for the entire uh, the entire Bible. What does it mean uh, to be human? Well, it's going to mean that we are made in the image of God. Well, what what does that mean? That if if you've been around a church, like this word gets you know tossed around a little bit, and uh, we're like sort of this amorphous thing. Well, I've sort of broken it down based on what I've seen in Genesis one and what I've seen in Colossians one with Jesus as the sort of you know, the fulfillment and the fullness of being made in the image of God is three things. Um, one is that, uh, well, we are substantial in our substance and our being. We uh, reflect the image of God in our function and what we do. We reflect the image of God and three in our relation uh, relationships, the way we relate to ourselves, to others, to God, we reflect his image. Um, so if you remember in, in Genesis one, we heard God makes the earth. He creates it. And he says, it is all very good. And so there's just this inherent dignity given to you, me, our bodies, by being made in, uh, in the image of God. And then that's again affirmed even after sin has entered the world. That's affirmed again at the incarnation when Jesus um, empties himself to become human and take on human flesh. Um, and so what we see from Genesis 1 is that we are, we are created, uh, we are material, right? Like our physical bodies are good. We're interconnected, but we are also limited and finite. We are dependent and we need rest. Right? Again, that, that's not, that is, you know, before Genesis 3, before humanity uh, rebels against God, like that is very much a part and parcel of what it means to be human. Um, so in our, in our being, in this sort of substantial part, um, it just means that we have certain qualities. It just means that we have things like, region, uh, like uh, reason, like we're rational. Uh, we have agency. Uh, God makes decisions and he gives us that ability as well. Uh, we have morality. Uh, we have self-awareness. We can be creative. And when we do all those things, we are actually doing what God made us to do um, when we do them right and do them well. Um, so that is our being. Our, fun- um, our function, what we do, that we are actually made to reflect God's glory back to him. And that God puts humans on earth to be his um, ambassadors to the rest of creation. Right, so we are meant to exhibit dominion 
uh, over the earth, but in a way that God, like not in a heavy-handed way, but in a way that, like, the sort of the call to us is to rule as God would rule, as a loving, caring father. Um, you know, we are given uh, work, and not just work, but we're given purposeful work. We are co-creators with God. Um, and that, though that has been frustrated and marred by uh, the entrance of sin into the world, uh, nonetheless, you, and you know this, if, if you've had work that you've done that um, you feel like you've done well, like there's, a, there's a right and good sense of accomplishment and pride in that. And that's not a bad thing. That is, that is a really good thing. Um, and then the last thing would be relational, uh, relating. If, if, if you're made in the image of God, then you're made in the image of a God who is in relationship with himself uh, as a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, there's this dynamic in the Trinity where each one will deflect uh, love and glory to the other two. So the Son gives love to the Father and Holy Spirit and then sort of going around. And so if you're made in the image of God, then you are just by nature a relational being. That means that community isn't just, and I, and I, I hammer on this a lot at Columbia, um, community isn't just like an incidental part of your life. Like it is a fundamental need, right? So that, that's sort of pushing on that self-sufficiency aspect. Like you don't just, it's not just nice to have other people to hang out with, to study with, to go to, the, to get a meal with. It's actually something you need to, to be meaningfully involved in a relationship with others. And, and so Jesus is the fulfillment of all this. And though all these things are frustrated and marred by sin, they're not eliminated in, in us. So um, going on from there, we'll just look, uh, how is this word, this uh, perfection, how is it used in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Uh, in the Old Testament, the, the, the word that's most commonly, uh, the Hebrew word that's most commonly translated is tamim. And you see that in the beginning of the book of Job. Job was this upright and blameless man, is, is how it comes through in some translations. Uh, but in others, you know, he was an upright and perfect man. And what the root of that word means is not just like he was, you know, he wasn't necessarily the ideal type, he wasn't self-sufficient. It, the root is to bring to completion. And what it, what it does is it's describing somebody who's living in right relationship with God. Uh, somebody whose life is patterned after God's character, right? So to be perfect, to be fully human, uh, is to be somebody who is in right relationship with God, right? Who lives a fully integrated life. One that is not, and I think this is really tempting for, for me and, and for some of us, right? Who doesn't live a life that is compartmentalized, right? Because I think we, a lot of times we will say, like, I know what is right, but what I actually do is maybe doesn't totally line up with what I know to be right. And so we, we sort of like, you know, if I know what's right, then I'm good, and whatever I do, right? Like, I know I shouldn't, you know, obsess over my image, but you feel this compulsion and you do it. Or I know that I shouldn't, you know, um, work all the time, but I just kind of feel like I have to do it. Um, and to be fully human, to be complete, is going to live a life that is fully integrated, that is not compartmentalized in that way. Um, and then if we keep going, going to the New Testament, uh, this word teleos is used. And uh, did anyone, someone else with the Bible, will you read... Actually, I'll tell you what, I'll, um, I'll do this one. Uh, Matthew 5... 48. It's just a one verse, obviously. Um, and I, I think I can do it from memory, so I'll look at it. Yeah, it's, it's basically Jesus saying, at the end of this uh, teaching section, be perfect then as your Father in Heaven is perfect. And to take that out of context, I think if you struggle with you know, unhealthy, perfectionistic tendencies, it can be really easy to look at that and just say, like, well, I'm just trying to do what Jesus told me to do. I just want to be perfect. I just want to look the right way. I just want to, you know, as I interact with people, I get really frustrated when I, you know, am awkward or whatever. Um, 
But I want to, what I want to do is look at how it's used elsewhere in in Scripture. Um, this actually, I do need someone to help me read now. Uh, will somebody flip to Philippians three, twelve through fifteen? Awesome, thank you. And then one more uh, is Colossians one, twenty eight to twenty nine. Yeah, thank you. Philippians three, yes. Thank you. I'll come to you in just one second. So this is Paul talking about sort of his own life. Um, as somebody who saw the resurrected Jesus, got knocked off his horse or donkey or whatever he was riding to Damascus, um, this wonderful, you know, this teacher who's had this transformed life. And what does he say? He talks about the process of becoming uh, perfect, the process of becoming mature. And that's really what this word teleos means. Uh, it's talking about maturity. It's talking about moving towards an end point, moving towards a goal, uh, towards maturity. Um, and so becoming whole, becoming fully human, becoming what God, in fact, created you to be. And so Paul in Colossians, which we're going to read in just one second, talks about the purpose of his entire ministry, and he sort of sums it up in these two verses. Yet we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works with it. Awesome. Yeah, so what Paul's saying, the goal of his ministry is to present people as mature, or as teleos, uh, before God. Right? And so he's saying, I want you to be perfect, but he's not defining perfect how we define perfect. He's saying, I want you to be mature, I want you to be whole, I want you to be somebody who walks in right relationship with God. And so, the, you know, this, this desire to be perfect is a good one, right? Like, I, and I've been sort of, you know, uh, dumping on, on perfection, uh, perfectionism. But I want you to know that that's actually a good thing. And, and if you look at the trajectory of the Bible, that if we were made perfect, and if what, you know, Rankin said last night, if we are moving towards perfection in the glorification, like, then it is right and good for you, one, to have this sort of memory of what it means to be right and whole and perfect. And it's also right for you to long for that, to look forward to the day when that is made fully true. And yet, we also have to live within the stress and tension of a world that is still broken, that is still in process. And even the fact that we are in process. And one of the sort of hallmarks of uh, perfectionistic thinking, which we'll get to maybe later today or maybe tomorrow, is is this sort of like all or nothing, black and white thinking. Like, I either want to be fully healed or just throw my hands up and I'm done. Right? And, and so the gospel here and the, the story of the Bible presses us to wade into the tension of what it means um, to be pushing towards maturity, sort of this already not yet. I'm, I'm moving that way because of what Jesus has already done, because of who God's made me to be, but I'm not there yet. And that's hard. But that's what sort of the call of the Christian life is to be moving towards maturity. And, right, and this is in distinct contrast, as we said, to the perfection of image and achievement and lifestyle, which um, we would maybe otherwise go towards. So does anybody have any questions at this point? Any questions? Okay, cool. Um, so then, moving on from here, what is, and I guess we'll keep going, what is 
perfectionism. It, um, anybody, before you read the quote on there, uh, thoughts on what, how would you maybe define perfectionism? Yes? Well, one way would be setting extremely high or unhealthy, unachievable goals for yourself just based on other people's opinions or comments and just trying to meet expectations. Yeah, good. So setting extremely high standards and expectations. Good. Yeah. Yes, Unaccept- failure less than ideal is unacceptable. Good. Yeah. Um, so, well, I think that not only is it like um, that for ourselves to try to be perfect, um, describe with perfectionism, but for others who might not be non-believers to come off as perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're saying like we we think we need to present ourselves as perfect to a sort of watching world, and what you're saying is like actually that makes it seem like well I'm like not like that like like yeah 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 that's great and I I, just to be honest I think actually the strongest testimony that any Christian can have is to is to really wrestle with their struggles their brokenness uh, and to be able to actually freed up in, in some way to get to, to share that with people that is not normal. Like so living in New York, like you know, people don't just walk up and like, hi, like I've got an eating disorder or like hi, you know. I mean people don't do that people don't do that anywhere, right? Like like I you know, I just lost my job. Like uh but but even even the people you get to know better, like it can be attempting to sort of at least for you know, for me, sort of stay at surface level like I, I can't you know, if I can't tell you how, how many good days I've had. How's your day? Oh, it's good. Like that? No, no. They have. They haven't all been good. Like, but it's so much easier to like appear like that, right? Like I've got it all together, uh, than to actually say, yeah. Like actually, I'm wrestling with, with this side of the other. So, good. Yeah. Um, I just think like perfectionism on all eyes. It's not always the standard that's set, but then my reaction when I don't need hmm. whatever I want yes. to do. Yes. Yeah. More maybe myself, but like my own discipline is what really tears me down. Yes. So yours would be, uh, yes, yeah, self-oriented, and not as much in. Just repeating for you guys, uh, not as much in um, a standard that gets met, and then you just sort of lash yourself because you're, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Being in control, that's huge. Yeah. Um, another, well, actually, a main source of perfectionism in my life is uh, my major. Okay. I chose architecture. Okay, yeah. And you work for hours and hours and hours building something, mm-hmm. pouring your heart yes. into it, and literal blood sometimes, because you work with sharp objects. Okay, yeah. And you present it to a teacher who has their own opinions, and they will literally tear parts off that they don't like. Okay. And so what you have in your mind as being perfect and being satisfied, you're told is wrong. Yes. <laughs> Almost every day. Yeah. And so it kind of gets hard as you're kind of trying to meet these great points or these yeah. expectations and you're looking around at other people's projects and you have no guidelines as to where to go. Yeah. I think it's really hard to kind of 
expectations yes. and not come out as a perfectionist. Yes, that's just drilled into you from some external source. Yeah. Um, good. So, yeah, so I, all these are so good. Um, and I just put a quote from this guy, uh, Richard Winter, who um, wrote this book, Perfecting Ourselves to Death. Um, plug him. Uh, Richard is the uh, head of the counseling department at uh, Covenant Seminary where I went. He was my wife's counselor. Um, it's just a really helpful book. Um, so I would, I would, you know, I don't get paid for this, but I would plug it just I think it's helpful. Uh, another book, I'll just take a little, is, uh, this is these guys are um, just sort of secular doctors. Um, when perfect isn't good enough. Strategies for coping with perfectionism. This one will be a little bit more Practical and pragmatic, and this one has is practical as well, but it'll sort of give you like uh, more of a, a theological background as well. So I would uh, commend those to you if you're looking for something to read on this. But Richard, in his book, uh, defines perfectionism this way: he says, in the simplest terms, perfectionism is the tendency to set extremely high standards. And the use of this word tendency implies a spectrum where there are degrees of perfectionism. Right. So I've been using um, the word perfectionism, and I've been referring to just like unhealthy perfectionism, but strictly speaking, you know, you could, uh, you can say there is, I guess, on one side of the spectrum, non-perfectionism. Uh, then there's like healthy, adaptive, normal pursuit of excellence, whatever that looks like. Uh, and then on, on as you keep going, there's this sort of unhealthy and neurotic, uh, perhaps, which is the the sort of weight that that you or or I feel uh, usually comes from that. Like I gotta, you know, be this certain way. Um, and so, you know, the important issue becomes not how strong the tendency is, uh, but how one responds to not meeting them, as we said, as we just said earlier. Um, and then uh, from the other book, the psychiatrist David Burns says, perfectionists are people whose standards are high beyond reach or reason, and who strain compulsively and unremittingly toward impossible goals, and who, and who measure their own worth entirely in terms of productivity and accomplishment. Um, so I've been, you know, I've been going through all this stuff. Again, I I don't, I really think perfectionism can be a good and healthy thing, right? I don't want to demonize it. Like we want our architects to have a good measure of perfectionism. We want buildings and bridges that work, right? We want our surgeons to have a, a measure of perfectionism. You want, you don't want somebody, you know, you don't want me as your surgeon. Just put it that way. Um, and so it can, it can be a really great thing. And so I guess I'll ask, what do you think, what, what would or could a healthy perfectionism look like? Like, when, if, if perfectionism is carried out in a right and normal and good way, what are, what are some of the characteristics that that looks like? Yeah? I think it's part of it, like, being okay with being, like, good. Like, you don't have to be good. Like, yeah. as long as you are good enough, like, if you're an architect and you have a good level of, like, you're safe and you follow all the standards, like, that's good enough. You don't have to Yes. Yeah. It's sort of contentment. You don't have to be Frank Lloyd Wright, who's a famous architect. You can just be a, a good, solid architect. Yes. Yeah. 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 Good. So you're 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 just doing work for the sake of yeah of doing good work, not for impressing others or whatever. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, sort of reaching your potential, right? This is like being fully human, 
not being superhuman. Yeah, good, check it. Not shaming yourself when you fail. Like if you're a surgeon and the patient dies, that's yes. it happens and you don't need to shame yourself. Yes, good, that's big. Any other thoughts? Um, what about like, just a, yeah, in sort of same like a positive self-image? Like, you know, because some of you I know just beat the hell out of yourself, right? Like, I'm an idiot, I'm ugly, I'm... And, and and I'm not again. I'm not. I, I'm not trying to shame you. In, in like I. I feel that I know from personal experience, from my experience, just being married to a an intense perfectionist. But that is so so hard. Yeah. Do you want, I know. I can, no, you're good. Um, there's one quote that I read that made me laugh and really made a lot of sense. It was that you wouldn't make a piece of cake feel bad for not being a burger because they're great in their own right. So yep. why would you make one person feel bad for not being the other person? I mean, they're both great. They're not equal. Yep. Uh, they're not the same. They have their own wonderful aspects. But trying to be good by being something else doesn't... Oh, that, that just doesn't work. And you're great in your own right. There's just such subjectivity in the world. And like yes. people have opinions that... Yeah, good. Um, how about inviting constructive criticism? Like not and not and not just like um, going to your sort of yes man or your yes woman. Like you know, how does how does this help me? You go to the person who you know you're going to get a, a positive response from, or hey, how does this this work? You know, this project. Well, that looks good. You know, like but actually inviting people to say like, hey, what do you think of this? And not as a you know again not to boost yourself up, but just as a you know, I guess Rankin, uh, this was at our staff meeting, said, you know, viewing feedback as an opportunity to learn and grow. Like, not as an affront to your worth as a person, but just as, a, as, a, um, as an opportunity to grow. Yeah? Um, something that really helps me when I'm, like, feeling like I can't be perfect is, like, putting it in I'll take something like I can't. I think a lot. Like I was trying to get a sticker on something, maybe on my car. Yeah. Not able to get it straight until I put it all and do it over and over. Yeah. But like in the grand scheme of things, like stickers not gonna matter. Probably in six months. Yeah. Like just putting it in perspective that, and like if you try to do lots of things, don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Having yeah. He started have to talk yourself down off the ledge at some point. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So so anyways, all this say like a normal and healthy desire for excellence is is good. And yet, as, as sin does with everything, what it does is it takes this good uh, part of our God-given design and it twists it and it warps it such that we begin, as the quote above said, to measure our worth entirely in terms of productivity, accomplishment, attractiveness, likability, how well we can control our world, uh, etc. Right? So, um, as you know, Rankin said last night, you know, ambition isn't the problem, right? Like, and so in this way, like your your desire, your you know, as, and if I say perfectionism, I sort of mean your pursuit of excellence. Like the pursuit of excellence isn't the problem; it's the it's it's the excessive maybe part. And then how do you respond to when you don't meet those uh, those standards? Um, you know, and, and what what happens is you know when you do that, you it, it can lead to these un, unhealthy and neurotic forms. Uh, and and so my wife has called on as 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 somebody who you know. I, I, I taught a, a version of the seminar at uh, our REF Northeast Winter Conference, and somebody came up to me and was like, oh, like, I used to be a perfectionist, but I'm like, all oh, better. And I was like, well, it's sort of like alcoholism. Like, once a perfectionist, always a perfectionist. Like, you're, you may be a recovering perfectionist, but, you're, like, you know, this side of heaven, I don't think you'll get rid of that sort of unhealthy tendency. And that's okay. Again, maturity is this process, right? We are moving towards 
fullness and maturity in Christ. But my wife has called unhealthy perfectionism uh, the addiction you get praised for. And she's called it that because, you know, it is, for her, like, she, her grades were amazing. Like, she's always, like, super, you know, fit and, um, you know, well-dressed and all this stuff. And so what people don't see, right, is, like, all the tears and the sweat and the, you know, sort of internal anxiety that that all this sort of pursuit has caused. But they see the externals and you say, hey, like, you look great today. Or, hey, like, you're, you know, your GPA is awesome. Like, you're doing really well. You get this sort of external affirmation. Um, and I guess in some ways, and we'll, I mentioned this tomorrow, you know, like, the question I think you need to ask yourself is, like, at what cost? Right? Like, because I, my guess is that for many of you, you're here and you are, you're competent, you're driven, you know, you are, you're getting results that you want. And so, in some ways, we've said, like, the means justify the ends. Like, we've said, well, I'm getting the result I want, so the means of me beating the hell out of myself, the means of me working all the time, the means of me spending an hour to, before I go out to class or whatever, just looking at myself in the mirror. Um, we've said it's, 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 it's worth it, you know, quote-unquote. But is it, is it worth the cost? Is it worth the cost of, of living under the weight of unhealthy perfections, of beating the crap out of yourself, right? And is it possible that you're just like a ticking time bomb? I, and, and I don't, I don't say again. I don't say this to, like to scare, but I, I want again, as we sort of said at the beginning, I want us to to come. If you, particularly if you're a Christian, and even if you're not, I want you to like. Where can we find freedom? Can we find freedom? What could that look like? And and so in thinking about, the, I guess we'll do this last thing for today. Um, what are the things that we need freedom from? So what are the things? Uh, like, when does trying to be good become bad? When does the healthy pursuit of perfectionism go wrong? And I'll ask you guys this question. And then, what are some of the consequences? And feel free to share generally or specifically. But what are some of the consequences that you have seen or you have experienced as a result of, of um, unhealthy perfectionism? So two-part two part sort of deal. When do you think trying to be good becomes bad? And then what are some of the consequences you have seen uh, and or experienced? Yeah, stop sleeping and don't eat. Yeah, and sometimes I think sleeping in particular, at least it becomes like a conscious, like, I'm not going to sleep. And then so other times it's like, I just can't sleep. Like, my mom, like, so my wife would describe to me, like, the experience of laying down to go to bed, like, knowing I need to sleep, and she, her mind is just racing. She's just, like, she can't, she can't fall asleep. In our college, she's in industrial design and I'm an architecture. In our college, it's almost like a badge of honor. Yes. How little, or how many all nighters you pull. Totally. And, like just oh you haven't slept in this many hours oh well I haven't slept in this many mm-hmm. hours and that way it's like totally yes yeah good yeah he makes prone to arguments with others hmm. prone to arguments why do you say that um, like if my opinion I think is better than the others like I will defend it yeah yeah if your opinion is better you're going to defend it you got you, you loaded some worth up with that yeah That's good. Um, Did you guys hear that? Perfectionism doesn't make you feel perfect. It makes you feel inadequate. Yeah. Okay. You did. So you should have owned that. Yeah. Um, yeah.
Lack of community, right? Yes, yeah, isolation. Either other, you, you're, you're quick to point out other people's flaws or, or you feel personally inadequate when you're around other people. You're like, gosh, these people are better looking, smarter than I am. It just sort of, it, it, it stirs the, heart, the soil of your heart to bring up your insecurities. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I think it leads you to not ever ask for help when you need it, which hurts you and also people around you because you never let them. Yeah. Yes. You. Yeah. This desire to be self-sufficient, right? Like, I asking for help is a sign of weakness. I can't. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it's motivated by fear of failure. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Fear of failure. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. It can burn you out. Like something that you used to love, you start to not to like it anymore because you can't protect it. Yeah. Yeah. So you get the, the, the experience of burnout. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How many of you have? This, this is me, like writing a paper or a sermon or a talk. Spend, you know, you've got four hours to write and you spend the first three hours honing your introductory paragraph and then, like, you know, race through the last, you know, whatever, however much you have to do. Like that, you know, it, it just, you know, and then so the, you're like, if I can't do it perfect, I'm not, you know, just race through it and, and then you sort of, like, this built an excuse for yourself, right? Like, well, I didn't have enough time to finish it, so, so, yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, one more. I mean, back to one of the first things that Cindy said, it can be really hard on your health. Yes. Um, because a lot of sleep, not eating, um, a lot of anxiety, and then. And yeah, it just takes a toll on your physical body. On your physical body as well as your mental body. Yes. Good. Yeah, I, I listed just, uh, you know, depression, burnout. Suicidal ideation, anger, anxiety, eating disorders, procrastination, indecisiveness, fear of intimacy and relationships, intolerance of ambiguity, catastrophic thinking. Oh my gosh, this is the worst ever. Um, fear of making mistakes, black and white or all or nothing thinking, uh, trouble relaxing, uh, attraction to legalism, being plagued by uh, guilt or shame. Have any of you guys seen the movie uh, Whiplash? So this, if you if you struggle with Perfectionism. I would recommend uh, unhealthy perfectionism. You should you should go see that. Um, it's a movie about this this guy. He lives in New York, and he's a he's a drummer, and he's at a music school, and it's it's about his pursuit of excellence. And you just see the the toll that it takes on him. And uh, at one point, he he breaks up with his girlfriend, and she's like, "So you're breaking up with me?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Why are you Why are you doing?" It's like, "I, you know, I have to I have to work more. I have to." And so. She's like, so you're breaking up with me to go play drum? He's a drummer. So she's like, yeah. And so it's, the mindset is like, 
anything else is like superfluous, getting in the way of me sort of pursuing my tunnel vision. You know, you know, Rankin talked about we pursue our vision of the good life. For him, the good life was being the best drummer at this. You know, at what is the best music school in in, uh, in the world? So, um, anyway, I'm going to stop there uh, for now. Um, do you guys have any any? I sadly time for questions. I've only left a couple of minutes, but does anybody have any any questions that they want to? I don't think I got any texted in. Um, do you guys have yeah? Any questions? Any comments? Any you want to throw up? Go up. Do so. Okay. Oh yeah. One question. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, what the question you really kind of I think you want to ask like what is going to give me the freedom to not like you can't really change other people's like the, the pressure they're putting these like what is going to give me the freedom to um, to not give that as much weight right like so, you know the Rankin talks about like to not other people's opinion doesn't matter to you as much as, as God God's opinion of you and um, so. I, that's, yeah, it's hard because yeah, there is like as we talked earlier, like there's this, you know, there's internal pressure from yourself to want to succeed, and then, and I and I'm not even say, I'm not, I would not say like you need to just give up pursuing excellence, like you know I'm not saying shoot for the middle, like I'm saying like continue to pursue excellence and do well, be the best architect, the best doctor, the best friend, the best son, daughter, um, you know what parent, whatever it is you end up doing. Um, so we want to, and what we'll get to tomorrow. Is like what is going to what is going to give us the freedom to like that all that other stuff's going to always be like you know those are constants in in our world so like what is going to give you the freedom to say like that other people even though they're going to look down on me like that doesn't define me um, so we will you know tune in next time to hear about that but yeah but that, no that's a great question because you're like if I slow down like everyone's going to look at me like I'm you know I'm a, you know I'm not enough right like and so you know you you either experience shame from other people you start sort of shaming yourself like oh, I, sh- I should be doing more that's a very I want to I want to like one say like that's a very real pressure and that's very hard um, and I don't and I also don't want to say well just stop trying to be excellent or, or, or step out of that context right because in doing that you sort of treat the symptoms and not the actual root cause and so we're going to look at that tomorrow like what does it mean to how does a gospel identity in, uh, impact and influence us in the midst of our desires to have uh, to, to be perfect in a certain way so cool any other questions all right hey have fun today and I will look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow thanks guys seeing you guys tomorrow thanks guys seeing you guys tomorrow thanks guys seeing you guys tomorrow